from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Thinking sideways. I don't care. Uproot the aliens. You must unlearn what you have learned. I don't know. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. Ooh, that podcast. Um, that podcast. <laughs> I am Devin, joined this week by Joe and. Steve. And today yeah. we're going to talk about a mystery that I've dubbed the most disturbing drawing. Because <laughs> mm. it is. It took me a while to figure out that that was a drawing. Yeah. I thought it was a weird art project. No, it's a drawing. What? Yeah, that yeah. one? Yeah. 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 So this actually was a suggestion by JW in July of um, 2015. Oh, um, a couple of years a little... ago few years ago long time ago um, not quite so two years hopefully ago. jw still listens and hey so thank dude. you yeah or lady a shout i don't out. know and actually we're going to talk about um the mystery of mr cruel now as cruel as in cruel cruel as in nasty yeah mean. fair warning 
as the name implies, this case involves some really horrible crimes against young girls, girls yeah. actual girls, yeah. And we are going to be going into detail, so this is our standard small ears warning. Okay, I'm out of here. We should have a sound effect for that or something. Uh, I'll, I'll totally get right on that. Okay. Can it be like that earthquake noise? My standard go-to is always a cat meow, oh. so... I kind of like the idea of, a, of, a, of a, like, you know, when, when you get the, the sound of, like, a bunch of kids yelling in terror and the stampeding noise yeah. as, they, as they exit the room. Perfect. Oh, is yeah. it like the Charlie Brown stampede yeah. when they all yeah. run through? Yeah, yeah exactly. Sweet. Yeah. So I'll get right on that. Yeah, a please do. general overview of this case is Mr. Cruel, a still 100% unknown, officially... Unidentified. Officially 100% unidentified man and general owner of one of the absolutely most terrifying police sketches of all times ever, um, abducted, abducted and raped three girls and possibly killed a fourth. He left literally no forensic evidence behind and was incredibly meticulous, uh, and the police have identified seven suspects that they have literally no reason to confirm or to rule out. Yeah, I think this was a case of just round, kind of rounding up the usual suspects. Well, and... we'll talk about this when we get to it, but they interviewed a lot of people. Oh, they did? Thousands. Yeah. The police actually think that um, Mr. Cruel is linked to another dozen or so attacks on children in the area. And um, all of these attacks are from the northern suburbs of Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, say it right or we're going to get angry emails, Devin. Mm. Yeah, come on. It's Melbourne. Come on. <laughs> Melbourne. Yeah. So we're going to just dive right in and um, talk about this. And I'll, I'm going to just go ahead and say 90% of the reading you're going to do about this stuff online is about like four paragraphs long. It's like a paragraph per victim. Victim. Thank you. But... We have more than that. And actually, frankly, I thought this was going to be a breeze of a topic for me because <laughs> when I first started doing my research, that's all I could find. And then I found this one kind of treasure trove in that the police in Australia have very recently within, I think it was last year even, released all of their documents to certain media outlets in Australia. So, hey, might as well. I mean, if it's um, been this many years. It's yeah. been like three decades. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a lot of details about these and we are going to go into it. So again, small ears or, you know, mm. whatever. Let's go chronologically. Okay. Okay. It's a good way to go. Yeah. Uh, it's also the way that everybody on the internet goes. And the other way confuses mm. me. Yeah. At about 4 a.m. on August 22nd, 1987 in Lower Plenty, which is again a suburb of Melbourne, Melbourne, Melbourne? Burn. Melbourne. Uh, as mentioned before, a man wearing a terrifyingly tailored balaclava. A, Bingo. Yeah, balaclava, yeah. yes. You got it on I'm the first try. I'm going to say ski mask the rest of the time. <laughs> uh, broke into a family's home. The identities of this family is officially withheld. And I'm sure that somewhere I saw it and somewhere you can find it if you dig enough. But let's just be respectful of these families. Nah, that sounds fair. But their name, uh, their name is... Oh. No. Okay, fine. No. Police have dubbed this victim Jill. That is not her real name. The masked man gained access by, quote, removing a pane of glass, unquote, from a window in the living room. Though I'm mm. not totally clear how he did that. Uh, I actually think I know how that happens. It wasn't breaking. Did he use a rock? 
No, no, I'm guessing that this is an older single pane window mm -hmm. and the putty on windows like that is pretty easy to cut with a razor. Oh, okay. So you cut the putty and just peel it away and then the pane just falls out. I've Great. replaced window panes it this kinda, way. It sure. kind of depends on how old the putty is. I tried it on my house, which is like 90 years old, and that stuff sets up hard as a rock. Right. Well, house. it depends on what people use. I mean, I know people who have used silicone caulking to seal in windows and that stuff. That's not oh, that stuff idea. doesn't harden up. Yeah. Uh -uh. No. So yeah. it really depends on what they're using. But that's yeah. that's how I okay. presumed he got the good. window open. That's this good is also Australia. They might use silly putty down there. We don't know. No. Yeah, I mean, that would be silly. Yeah. yeah, but this guy reminds me of the uh, the axeman of New Orleans because that's how he always gained on trade at his his victims' homes. Was the window? Well, no, actually, he went to doors, but there were frame and panel doors, and so he would. Oh, that's right. He'd take one of the panels. He would out. chisel out one of the panels. Yeah. Yes. And then and then reach in and unlock yeah. the door from the inside. Yeah. Well, the reason and the reason I say it wasn't broken is because he the parents didn't wake up. This was a family home. It was uh, the parents and then two girls. They had two daughters. And the parents were woken up by the masked man brandishing a large knife and a gun in the face of the, the parents. In their faces. Basically, yeah. while they were asleep in bed. Yeah. And nice I, to wake up to that. Yeah, he, really he had is. a thing for that. I mean, I know he tapped somebody on the head with a knife once to wake them up on That's the forehead. The, the uh -huh. next one. Yeah. 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 And before we go much further, I'm just going to go ahead and like cite my source on this <laughs> because it, I, it, it does totally 100% appear legit. I have found stuff to back up the fact that this was one of the sources that the police gave the information to. However, I also know it's a tabloid. Just fair warning, the Herald Sun in Australia, in Melbourne, is the primary source for this information. Wait, I thought it was the Sun in Britain was the tabloid. The Herald Sun, when I did some Googling on it, it said it was, it's a morning tabloid. Okay. Like I said, I can't keep them straight. Right. So. But, but uh, as Joe said, when we were having this kind of discussion earlier this week, when I said, can I actually use this as a source? Yeah, yeah why not? Joe said, sometimes, sometimes tabloids are right. They, and I think this is are. one of the instances yeah. of that. And so I just wanted to go ahead and clearly say, yeah. this could all be total fabrication, but I believe it. So this unnamed family says that Mr. Cruel had a knife and a gun, handcuffs and nylon cord, as well as a small bag wrapped around his waist. When he woke the parents up, he handcuffed them. He, he told them to roll on their back. He kind of represent him, represented himself as a thief, had them roll on their back or on their stomachs, sorry, and handcuffed their hands behind their backs. And then, oh, I'm sorry. I got this family confused with a different one. There's a daughter and a son in this yes. family. Yeah. So Mr. Cruel then goes into the boy's room, who this article says is eight, but I've seen other sources say the boy was six. I've also said other sources say that they were in the same room. Yeah. So I'm not totally sure what the I, truth I think is. this is an issue with a lot of these kind of stories mm -hmm. where there's um, mixing of yeah. characters yes. accidentally. Yes. Either way, he goes and wakes both of the children up and brings brings them also into the master bedroom where the parents are laying handcuffed. He unhandcuffs the parents one at a time and then basically like hog ties them with what's always described as an unusual sailor's knot or a knot mm. that somebody who's used to quote unquote tying large loads would use. I think mm -hmm. that just means that that's a person who knows how to tie knots. But... Something besides a granny tie knot. Hard. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But mm -hmm. they, nobody ever says what the knot nobody is. Nobody ever says huh? what the knot is. No. Mm, okay. He hog ties them. Then he blindfolds the parents and gags them with 
tape, which is either electrical or surgical, again, depending on the source of the story. Mr. Cruel then ties the boy to the bed with nylon cord, blindfolds and gags him with the same tape. And then the girl was blindfolded and maybe gagged, but maybe not as well. And this is, you know, surgical tape straight on the eyes. So like not comfortable for any anybody involved. Yeah. He says he's a robber. He says he wants cash and also a first aid kit. He also said he was going to take a shower and take some of the father's clothes because he was a similar size to the father. Mm-hmm. And he also wanted to shave and he wanted some food. Mr. Cruel took some clothes out of the wardrobe that was in the parents' bedroom and then told the parents to get into the wardrobe. Oh, I bet that was cozy. Mm-hmm. He covered them with a blanket. He then apparently tried to use the phone in the bedroom, but it didn't connect. Although, again, I'm not, I'm not totally clear on how... I mean, they were blindfolded and covered with a blanket, so... I'm not really sure how... I feel like there was a lot of, a lot of narration by yes. the perpetrator going on. Mm-hmm. I would agree All right, I've got to call Bobby. Yeah. Oh, could have been. click, I mean, click. Hello? Click. You know. yeah. back, in the, back in the day, too, though, when people actually had phones that had handsets that went into the receiver. Mm-hmm. So everybody knew what the sound of a phone being yeah. picked up was. Yeah, I just wasn't sure how well then, you would be able to hear that necessarily. Well, if you had a hard time with it with your... your Dial tone. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys remember dial yeah. tones or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would, you would click the buttons a few times. Yeah. So maybe that's what he was doing was hitting the button multiple times. Yeah. So it didn't connect. And then Mr. Cruel went to check all of the other rooms in the house. And then he came back and actually placed a call this time, which apparently connected. During this call. That's in quotes, the word connected. Connected, yeah. During this call, he called someone a bozo and threatened the person on the other line, telling them that they'd have to move their own kids or something of that nature. After he hung up, he closed the wardrobe door and locked the parents in. Then he turned on a radio in the master bedroom very, very loudly to a station that is identified and then took the girl into the bathroom. And this is where the not nice stuff begins. Yes. It actually turned out that this was his real motive. He was not there to be a thief, though he did take a few items from the house. Mm-hmm. But his real motive was to rape and assault the 11-year-old girl who nice lived in guy. the house. He did this over the course of two hours. He carried out his attack on the girl kind of over this course of two, two hours, mostly in the bathroom, but also in the lounge room. He took breaks to rummage through the family's belongings. He took a break to eat some cold lamb, biscuits, milk, and orange juice. He made the girl floss and brush her teeth and bathe twice. Once after the first assault, and then once right before he left the house, which basically obliterated all forensic evidence that would have existed of his attack on her. Mm-hmm. Oh, guy, he must have been watching CSI. Yeah, in, in 87, yeah. Mm-hmm. General he Hospital. then took her to a spare bedroom after two hours loosely tied her up uh, on the bed and told her that she could count to 100 and then free herself and her family. She told the police that she waited to hear the door close and then ran to free her parents. And as I said, they her name is not Jill. She's identified as Jill. That's not her actual name. But there are reports that Mr. Cruel called her Kate a number of times, which is also not her name, nor is it represented that that's close to her name. Yeah. So he was calling her the wrong name. Mm -hmm. What do it mean? I don't know. I bet the police thought about that a lot. I think they did, yeah. He actually had asked her name when the whole family was tied up in the master bedroom. So he was given her actual real name, but he was calling her Kate, which probably means something. But we don't know what. Or maybe nothing. Yeah. Obviously, the police were called immediately. 
they found, as I bet you can guess, almost zero evidence or clues when the family said that Mr. Cruel had placed a phone call they actually thought, you know, of course, this phone number dialed could at least lead us to a person who had a conversation with Mr. Cruel. But it turned out that a call had never actually been placed, that Mr. Cruel had faked it, which is why he had, you know, blindfolded everyone before he placed this call. He picked up the receiver and maybe dialed like he there was no number that connected. He must have picked up the receiver and, you know, pushed the the things back down. What are those things called? Yeah, the I don't know. Clickers. The, the little receiver click, button yeah, the receiver button yeah. back down so that it didn't actually place a call and then dial the call and totally fabricated a half of a conversation just to throw everybody off the trail. Which and is this, which is an overarching theme with it, this guy. Yeah, a does, lot of misdirection. It does end which up. Which is being, why I'm thinking that uh, the whole Kate thing was probably deliberate. I would guess that as well you that know? it was deliberate. Yeah. yeah. And I also have the impression that. Mr. Cruel was intentionally trying to give the impression that the rape of the 11-year-old girl was actually a crime of opportunity instead of a, a meticulously planned crime, which mm-hmm. it actually was. You know, that he was trying to give the impression that he just broke in and then happened to see an 11-year-old girl and rape her because thought, she was oh, there. Oh, well, since I'm here. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, Ugh. leave with stuff. But yeah, he didn't steal unlikely. enough stuff. For that to make sense, there was like very little value in what he stole. Well, plus, you know, two hours, you know, even for a crime of opportunity, seems like a, a lot it's of time a really to spend time. raping a little girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually think that a lot of that time was spent in cleaning her. Uh, it could have been, yeah. Uh, if he's as meticulous as he seems to be, and based on things that happen later on, I have a feeling that A, knowing a man's biology, and B, knowing how long it probably takes to clean somebody thoroughly to your satisfaction for a guy that goes to these lengths, mm-hmm. he probably spent a lot of time scrubbing this girl down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, I think that's accurate. The other really interesting thing here is that despite the mask, the family was able to give kind of a description. They described the man as about 5'8 to 5'11. About Steve's height. About Steve's height, yeah. Mm. Slim build with brownish, grayish, whitish hair. Not like me. <laughs> And uh, bushy gray eyebrows. Definitely I'm not, not totally like me. sure how that was. See, I guess it maybe was sticking through the the mask. Yeah, the eye you know, holes. They're kind of yeah. knit. Well, yeah, no, the eye holes. I. That's why that drawing is so scary. Is because he'd actually tailored it so the eye holes were literally just. They were much smaller they than were they like normally. Maybe be. quarter size holes that he had sewn together with white. There, it was a, a navy blue mask that he used white material on, and then he'd actually sewn... White some, thread? Yeah, sorry, white thread on, and then so you can see the stitch marks that kind of looks like a Coraline doll almost. Uh-huh. And then he'd actually sewn basically like netting or something behind the eyes and the mouth so that it would further protect him from leaving any kind of hair. So it was like Spider-Man's mask. Yeah, but way scarier. The mouth hole was also just a quarter size. I mean, it was just three quarter size holes in this mask. It was, it's super, super creepy. Super creepy. Yeah. So, but I would assume that maybe there was some hair sticking out through his mask. Somewhere. Which he could have actually, like, you know, placed in there as another red herring. He could have. It's yeah, true. Maybe. Absolutely he could have. Uh, despite the, the grayish, whitish hair and bushy gray eyebrows, they said that they thought that Mr. Cruel was actually in his mid-20s. He apparently had musty smelling breath he did eat lamb biscuits milk and orange juice well he had musty breath before then well he might have had lamb milk yeah. <laughs> biscuits yeah. and orange juice ahead of time yeah. 
And then he apparently also had a deep, gruff voice that sounded uneducated. And they said he had no accent, which of course means he had an Australian accent. Of course. He had an accent appropriate for the area. area. With almost nothing to go on, this case went cold quickly and it seemed to have been a one-time attack. There was some speculation again that Mr. Cruel had actually seen the family in a newspaper because they had been featured a couple weeks before. Yeah, what was that article about? Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. we're hearing about it. I, I, I suspect I they don't talk about it because then you could identify, identify the, family. the family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is not the only time that somebody is supposedly in the paper ahead of time. No. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Let's talk about that. Because despite the you know, apparent one-time nature of this attack, it turns out, no, that's not the case. Unfortunately, yeah, it happened again, Um, didn't it? Yeah, a year and a few months later, in December, on December 27th, 1988, the police found out that Mr. Cruel was actually a serial offender. The previous night, on the 26th, the Wills family, which is comprised of John and Julie and their four daughters, were on their way home. They lived in Ringwood, which is another suburb of Melbourne, and they apparently arrived home at 10.45 p.m. The girls, of course, went promptly to bed. The oldest one was 10. Uh, Her name's Sharon. So they were young. That was late. That's late to be up. Yeah. The girls all slept in one room on two sets of bunk beds, and then John and Julie say that they stayed up until about 1 a.m., and then John tried to go to sleep, but he couldn't, so he got up and did a puzzle until about... 4.50 4.50 a.m., he says. It's so weird. It'll put you right to sleep. Yeah. That, that's that a weird so. thing to do. I mean, I guess this is before the internet, so dinking around on Facebook or whatever isn't an option, but yeah. I wouldn't think to just sit up in the middle of the night and put together a puzzle. I would, because it's boring. <laughs> that's a puzzle. <laughs> you might go to sleep. You okay. know? Uh, I mean... So, so some puzzles can be kind of like... Some people are into puzzles. Meditation-like for people, yeah. you know? True. Yeah. Okay, okay. Anyway, almost exactly 30 minutes later, so at 5.30... 5.20, yeah. 5.20, Mr. Cruel came bursting in to John and Julie's bedroom. He just threw the light on and brandished a gun. He was still wearing that same navy blue mask. Julie screamed, but Mr. Cruel said that he was going to shoot John if she didn't stop, so she stopped because she loves her husband. He then had them, just like the last couple, lie on their stomachs and bound their wrists. This time, he didn't put them in handcuffs first. He just immediately hogtied them. Well, I guess wire. it's not hogtying because there's no, there was no connection between the arms and legs, but he oh, bound okay. their That's arms and legs yeah. with copper electrical wire with the same unique knot. Again, he claimed to be a thief. He then entered the girls' room. Sharon uh, was the oldest of the four girls. She was 10. She was taken from her bed. And I heard, uh, I read her account and she said she was awoken by her mom's scream, but just kind of laid in her bed. Mm -hmm. And then she heard Mr. Cruel come into her room and she pretended to be asleep still, which is smart, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he left and she heard him walk around the house and then come back and say, Sharon, get up. So he knew her name. Ooh. And so at that point she was like, okay, I have to get up. So she got up. And uh, he did not ask the parents what the kids' names were? Mm-mm, not reportedly. Mm. Mr. Cruel selected some of her clothes to take with him, then took Sharon out into the living room, grabbed one of John's coats and had her put it on over her nightie, and then carried her outside and put her down. 
when he put her down, she started to scream again. So uh, he actually shoved a ball into her mouth, a which ball is gag. A, yeah, well, it was just a ball. It was right. like a rubber ball, but you'll a ball see, is still a gag. You'll see people describe it as a ball gag, which is a different thing these days. Yeah, than yeah. Just depending a, on the community yeah. you you frequent, yes, yes. He said, "If you promise not to scream, I'll take that ball out." And she said, oh. so oh, "Better she, than choking to death." Yeah, so he took the ball out, and then he blindfolded her. Maybe with tape, maybe with something else, and then placed some material she thought was like tied or glued together over her head, over the blindfold huh. that, we, that she thinks was tape. He tried to confuse her by sometimes carrying her and sometimes making her walk until they got to a car. So this one is already different in that the last attack took place in the home. Mm-hmm. This time he's actually abducting Sharon. Taking her somewhere else, Taking right? her somewhere else. He... Put Sharon in the passenger side of the car and had her get on the floor of the passenger side. Sharon said that she thought it was an old car. And he drove for a little bit and then paused and said, Sharon, can you see? And she said, yes, because she could. And so he reinforced her blindfold um, by like taping it tighter and then put a blanket over her. Sorry, I keep shaking my head. It's mostly because I just... I know. It's bad. (sighs) I know. I know. He... He continued to reassure her that he wasn't going to hurt her. Again, kind of this weird, I don't know why you're telling her this, but I think he didn't want her to be scared, I guess. I'm not sure. What a nice guy. He's trying to encourage complacency. Well, it's interesting, and we'll talk about this at the end when we talk about how Sharon described him, but there's some interesting stuff going on here. But he just said he was going to ransom her for money, basically. Mm. So don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. I just kidnapped you. I just want money. Mm-hmm. Well, that's always reassuring. This, of course, turned out to be not true. No. He unloaded her from the car and carried her into the house and laid her on the bed. She was able to describe the house in detail. I'm not going to go too far. But she counted how many steps it took for her to get from the car to stairs and then counted how many steps up it was to the house and what side of the house the driveway was on. I mean, that's a very clever. aware little girl she with was very good very memory. very aware, yeah. Uh, well, I think you would remember this sort of thing. Well, I don't yeah. know because a lot of people, those details disappear because yeah. the brain, your yeah. brain just blocks that crap yeah. out. I was going to say another word, but yeah. it just, it yeah. just shuts down. Well, she was sick and I want to bring the police, police back here to bust it. I think, ass. yeah. And I think probably the, these memories are the things she was thinking about instead of the other things that happened to her later That's to try point. to get through. Very that, good point. Yeah. Know? So he got her into the house and replaced her tape glue whatever blindfold with like iPads, like medical iPads, you know, those kind of... With the metal and the gauze? Not iPads, but I mean iPads as in your eye and your head. Because iPads oh. mean something else. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I, think, the, the... I actually think they're just like cotton. Yeah, they make these little mean. cotton pads that go over your eyes. Yeah. They don't have the metal or anything oh, like that. Oh, okay. They're just... They're basically the same thing, though. It's the cotton underside of what I'm it's talking just, about. Yeah, it's just a little cotton. It's basically yeah. just a cotton swab for your, your eyes. It's a cotton pirate eye patch, yes. Yeah. And then he, you know, gently taped that so it was more comfortable for her. What he a nice guy. He turned the radio on and ran a bath. He had Sharon floss and brush her teeth and bathe, then returned her to the bedroom. She heard the radio on the radio that it was 7 a.m. at that point and was able to identify the radio station. Not that that really helps anything. She also said that she heard some airplanes fly overhead. Mr. Cruel then raped and assaulted her and then made her a Vegemite sandwich with a glass of milk. And that's why he's called Mr. Cruel. Yeah. The Vegemite sandwich. <laughs> I think yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
he said he was going to leave. By the way, can you buy Vegemite anywhere here in the States? I've been yeah. hearing about it for years. I've never actually you don't tasted want it. it. You go to the uh, Australian grocery. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. He, so he said he was leaving. So he leashed her to the bed with some sort of harness around her neck. You mean leashed or lashed? Leashed. It's I've always heard, leashed. I've heard it. I've heard it described as a very crude harness of some kind. I mean, you know, think of a dog collar, but something that some weirdo really just bigger. makes in his basement on yeah. his own. Uh-huh. That's how I've heard stuff. it described as well. Although, granted, no, nobody ever saw it. Right? They just felt it. Right, but I mean, you yeah. know, if if some guy is trying to figure out how to attach fabric to material or mm-hmm. to metal to then be able to lock it and chain it, like that would be why it's described as crude and felt. Yeah. Yeah, probably that way. It probably was not very comfortable. Yeah. He left the radio on while he was gone to that same channel. And now here again is one of those instances where you think, God, these girls are just, especially Sharon, like this is incredible. She's pretty gutsy. She is really gutsy. She, while he's gone, manages to lift her blindfold so she can see the inside of the room. So she is actually able to describe for the police, like in great detail, everything about the room including, most disturbingly, a wooden tripod with a camera set up that was filming the bed that she was leashed to. Or was set up to film. It wasn't filming while... I was going to say, I don't know that this was necessarily a video camera. It might have just been a still camera. I think it was a video camera. Okay. I I mean, this is the time where you could tell very distinctly between a video camera and a... I I am not in disagreement of that, but I've never seen it explicitly said what kind of camera she saw. That's mm. why I say that. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Also, it's, it's probably a good thing if he, uh, if he filmed all this stuff because if they ever do catch up with him, he'll probably he'll still have, have those, those yeah. videos. And again, we'll talk about this. Great way to lock his ass in... up for a long, long time. Yeah, for real. Mr. Cruel returned. He bathed and cleaned Sharon again and then raped her again and then bathed her again. then leashed her to the bed, but he checked on her often. He fed her and took her to the bathroom as needed. He asked her if she was comfortable. I mean, Mm. yeah, I know. Of course I'm comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. Finally, after 18 hours, he instructed her to take a shower instead of a bath. He washed her hair and her body very well, clipped her fingernails and toenails, then flossed and brushed her teeth again. Then he dressed her in a garbage bag. I think more than one. He he had her stand on a garbage bag and then step into a garbage bag that had holes cut for legs. And then he put another garbage bag over her head, then cut holes so she could breathe because safety third, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah breathing, breathing yeah. is important, I hear. It is. He <sighs> then put her in the car, again, you know, on the floor on the passenger side, and apparently he had trouble starting it. Telling Shannon that stolen cars sometimes won't start. Which is not I logical. Think, I think this is a red herring. Well, it's a, it's a little logical in that, you know, if you've hotwired a car and you don't have the key for it, it's mm. not, probably not going to start as easily as just turning a key. Uh, maybe. Okay, uh, maybe. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, but, but I, that's fine. I, don't, I think it's a red herring. Yeah. Just, that's just me. He drove for, quote, a long time, sometimes fast and sometimes slow, unquote, per Shannon. Oh, Sharon, you mean? Shannon. Have we been you, saying Sharon? I think we've been saying Sharon. It's Shannon. Oh, it is Shannon. Oh. Oops. Oh, okay. The, this is probably obviously to confuse her. He parked, picked her up, and ran with her for some distance, stopping often to take breaks. He's out of shape. Yes. Finally, he put her down and told her how to get to a store nearby. He removed the blindfold, which was the trash bag that he had cut holes into. 
He removed it and said, you know, don't turn around or else I'll Kill shoot you. you. Yeah. yeah. And ran away. That must have been she... a really weird scene for anybody to watch who didn't know what was going on. A, it was a midnight. Full... Oh, so I was going to say, because really... a full-grown man running away from a small figure in plastic bags. No, is... it was exactly 18 hours after she okay. had been taken. All right. She had actually been dropped off at the Bayswater High School, which is about three miles from her house. And like I said, it was just after midnight. And Shannon approached a woman who was at a bus stop, and she reportedly very calmly walked up to this woman in trash bags and said, my name is Shannon Wills and I was taken from my home early this morning. A man left me here and told me to go ring home. Yet again, police were unable to find any clues or forensic evidence. The Wills family description of Mr. Cruel is pretty in line with the previous family's description other than the voice. Uh, Shannon said that Mr. Cruel seemed to display some level of care and did not describe him gruff at all. And like the unidentified girl from uh, the first, the first from rape the first victim, one, yep. yeah. Shannon had been in the newspaper just a few weeks prior to her abduction. Mm. You know, I I wonder if the the gruff. I mean, we're, we're already talking about the red herring a little bit, but it makes me wonder if in that first instance it was kind it was. of like what? Uh, I'm sure it was Christian Bale playing Batman, trying to disguise his voice a little yeah. bit, maybe. You yeah, think? yeah, yeah. Could be. I absolutely think it was. I think it also was to kind of play into that role of I'm a thief. Of I'm a thief. Yeah, I'm a bad guy. Well, he is a bad guy, but, you know. I'm a different yeah. kind of bad different guy. Different kind of bad guy than he is, which I don't think he identifies himself as a bad guy, let's yeah. be honest. Too bad, yeah. Yeah. Really creepy bad guy. Next up, Brian and Rosemary Linus were set to move out of their rented house on July 4th, 1990, which is not a holiday in Australia. Why not? Because they did They're not, not patriotic. Their... They're not. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yes. They are not patriotic Americans. No. They, along with their two daughters, were a month away from moving back to England and had planned to rent an apartment in Melbourne for the last month in... Osland? Uh, Osland. Yeah. In Australia. Aussie land? Yeah. On July 3rd, at about 11.15 p.m., Mr. Cruel forced his way into Brian and Rosemary's bedroom via the window. Brian and Rosemary, however, were out at a farewell gathering, a fact that Mr. Cruel was likely very aware of. At 11.20 p.m., he woke Nicola up by tapping her on the head with his knife. This is the one that you were thinking of, yep. Steve. The parents were not home, so yeah. But Nicola was home with her sister, Fiona. Once again, he claimed to be a common thief. He actually did hogtie Fiona up this time on the parents' bed and then told Nicola to get her school uniform. Oh, he's he, that kind of guy, huh? He had her dress in something other than her school uniform, and she kept her pajama bottoms on as well. And then Mr. Cruel asked Nicola and Fiona about their father's employment, then told Fiona that he wanted $25,000 ransom for Nicola. He went around the house and cut all of the phone lines with a knife, then told Fiona that he'd call in the morning with instructions on how to pay, so obviously he wasn't actually intending to call in the morning. Yeah. Uh, They better call me once they get the repairman out here. Well, I'm going to call them. He didn't even leave anything. He said, I'm going to call. Yeah, it might be quicker in Australia. I know here in America, back in those days, it took the phone company a while to get out to your house Weeks. to fix your phone lines. Yeah, yeah, did, yeah. Did, back in the good old days. Fiona said that she looked at the bedside clock and remembered that Mr. Cruel left with Nicola at 11.47 p.m. exactly. He also stole the family's car. Well, they had two cars. They did. Because mom and dad were in were, one. Yes, yeah. He had Nicola again kneel on the passenger side floor, just like Shannon. And he pulled her base cap, baseball cap low over her eyes. She was apparently wearing a baseball cap. 
he drove for a short distance and then they got out of the family car and into a different car where he blindfolded Nicola with tape and then put a ski mask over that one. Or a balaclava. 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 Yeah. Once again, Mr. Cruel took Nicola to a house. She heard the radio playing. Once again, he removed the tape from her eyes and gently put iPads over her eyes as a blindfold. He took her to the bathroom, flossed and brushed her teeth, bathed her, then, calling her Nikki, raped and assaulted her. Maybe this guy's a dental hygienist. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. He... He's something. Yeah. Again, leashed her to the bed around the neck, just like he had done with Shannon. And then he fell asleep next to her. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that guy is pretty sure of himself. Yeah. I was going to say, of all of the things that this guy has done so far, that is... It the is creepiest. Yeah. For some reason, yeah, the creepiest. Is. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah, because he's going to... Sp- He's spooning this poor chained up little girl yeah. as if there's some actual intimacy between them. That's that's what just turns my gut so much on there. She was 13, too. I mean, it, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 11, 13, doesn't matter, yeah. still turns my gut. girl, yeah. He had actually turned the radio off while he went to sleep, so there was no noise. And, of course, Nicola did not sleep that night. Really? Yeah. She didn't hear any noise until she heard really loud airplanes flying overhead. So she estimated there were about seven or nine of them that flew overhead in a relatively short span of time. Basically what she was describing was like the landing pattern of planes. In yeah, the like an airport or an army yes. base or yes, exactly. something like that. Yeah. Now, that's actually good information. Yeah, it is. Mr. Cruel slept until about 10 a.m. when he turned the radio back on. She heard, you know, the radio said the time. He raped her again at 11 a.m., then fell asleep again next to her. Then at about 12.30 p.m., so noon 30, he took her into the bathroom where he raped her again, then bathed her again. Then he told her that he had a schoolgirl fantasy and that he had followed her home from school. Which I think is also a red herring. This guy just says whatever random BS pops into his head. He does. He dressed her in her uniform and then raped her in the kitchen. Then he gave her a glass of water and then leashed her to the bed. She fell asleep for a few hours because, like, of course you would. And then she said she woke up again to the sound of airplanes prior to 10 a.m. again. After 10 a.m., you know, when she woke up and the radio was turned back on, he then dressed her in a tennis skirt that he had brought. Ah, He actually told her the night before he was going to dress her in the tennis skirt and rape her again. This guy's hitting all the fantasies here, isn't he? He is. But so he told her that the night before and then the next morning he dressed her in the tennis skirt and raped her. And then he started calling her Missy. At about 2 p.m. that day, he finally released her to the bed and said he wasn't going to, quote unquote, assault her anymore. He tied her legs together with wire, gave her some food and water and then told her a friend and he were going to go look for places to drop her off. He had a newspaper with him, and he said it was the Sun, which the Herald Sun, the Herald Sun, which is where this was reported. Conveniently enough. Conveniently enough. At about 10 p.m., Mr. Cruel asked Nicola if she was hungry, and said that he was going to pack all the food away, meaning that this was not a usual place of living that he, you know, packed food in, and he was going to pack it out. That would make sense not to bring her to his house. Uh, Yep, absolutely would. He. Had Nicola stand on a sheet and then showered her and cleaned her body like he had Shannon's. He reportedly again said something to his friend that was also there with him. But investigators agree that this is just one of those attempts to derail the investigation again because 
Nicola was pretty sure that there was no one else there. She didn't hear, you know, it was a small house where she was being kept and she didn't hear anybody else come in or. Yeah, no sounds of footsteps. And additional to that, only once did he say anything to his friend and his friend didn't say anything at all. So I don't think there was actually another person there with him. Mm. So one thing you said here that you've said about the, her and the prior victim that we didn't bring up in the very first one is her standing on a sheet in the bathroom. If I remember correct, the very first girl, he trying to think of delicately how to say this when he was with her in the bathroom and he assaulted her, I seem to remember there was something about the fact that he had laid down a shower curtain or a sheet or a towel or something so that I'm guessing for the idea that his footprints or shoe prints or whatever wouldn't be liftable or retained in any way. So it's, this is, he's like, there, there are things that seem to be happening every single time. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. things like flossing, mm-hmm. things like cutting their finger and toenails like that. You know, forensic evidence and especially public knowledge of forensic evidence was not that great in the early 90s. No, so not at all. So for him to know... He was a time traveler. That he... I mean, maybe. Could have been a time traveler. Could have been... The worst use for time travel ever. Yeah, could have worked for a police department, maybe. Yes. A forensic kind of specialist sort of guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was going to pack it away. He or he's gonna pack all the food away. He cleaned Shannon again, or sorry, Nicola again. Said something to his friend, which is wrong. Then he replaces her iPads with tape. You know, he takes the iPads off and tapes her eyes shut, blindfolds her with tape. Then he puts her clothes on her, but I guess it was a different set of clothes that he hadn't had any contact with. Because he did take a number of sets of clothes from her house. When he first took her from her home, yes. And then again, you know, put her on the floor of the passenger side. And then again, had car trouble. Again, saying stolen cars often don't turn on, which, okay. They drove for a while and then... They stopped oh, for sorry. gas, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they stopped for gas. Well, well she thought they stopped for gas. She wasn't uh, sure. That's hard to believe because, uh, well, I'm, unless it was self-serve or a I'm car, sure a it car was. block yes. station or something like oh, that. Oh, I'm sure it was self-serve. Yeah. Oregon's one of the only places where it's not self-serve. Yeah. In yeah. the world, almost. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So he, he stopped for gas, apparently, maybe, maybe not. And he had actually wrapped her in a blanket when they were at the house. So they stopped finally after they got gas. They stopped for gas and then they drove around a little bit. Then he removed the sheet after they got out of the car and you know took the sheet away from her. And then they walked about five minutes, I guess, she thought. And then Mr. Cruel had her change her clothes again, standing on that sheet, and then uh, took all the clothes away that would have maybe had evidence from his house on it. Mm-hmm. And then they walked for about three more minutes and he, I guess he looked around, like he was going to stop. And then he said, no, this location isn't good <laughs> for some reason. And then they walked for another three or four minutes. And then he said, okay, now count to a hundred. He took her blindfold off, said count to a hundred and then, you know, go call the police. She had been again, left about three miles away from her house. It was 2 a.m. on the morning of her 14th birthday. Hey, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. She had been held by by Mr. Cruel for exactly 50 hours. She knocked on the door of a man, like they were in kind of a neighborhood where she was dropped. So she walked up to a door and knocked 
and a man answered it and she said, can I call my dad? And obviously her picture had been everywhere. Yeah. And he was like, um, yes, of course you can. And they called the police. And then six days later, Nicola's family left Australia forever. Uh, nice send off. Yeah. Nicola and Fiona described Mr. Cruel to have a beer belly, which is different from the other descriptions. The other descriptions had him very slim. I got to tell you, though, beer bellies come on pretty easily. Yeah, and it, it had been a year or so since the last attack. It's easy to fake a beer belly, too. True, true story. And uh, he was, but he was again described as having the gruff, uneducated voice. And apparently he also tended to add use to the end of sentences, like lay down on the bed, use. Oh, the word you, not mm-hmm. the letter you. Yeah, yeah, which is why I gave you an example. Leu, downu, anu, Yeah, okay. No. The, that's, those are really the only discrepancies between the other three descriptions of, of Mr. Cruel. Because he didn't use, use a lot with the other ones. Right? No. Yeah. But again, I, I'm, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that he was just putting on voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Next up is Carmen. It's not spelled like you think Carmen is spelled. Mm, C R M E N. It's K R. K A. It's K A R M I E N. Mm. But um, from the news coverage of this case that I I watched, it sounded like her mom was pronouncing it Carmen, Carmen. or something okay. dang close. So she, her name's Carmen. And I'm gonna preface this one by saying it's a little different, and then there is speculation that it's actually a copycat. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Cool. Officially, it is the last known attack by Mr. Cruel. On April 31st, 1990, 13-year-old Carmen was babysitting her two younger sisters, Carly, who was nine, and Karen, who was seven. Lots of K, lots of K alliteration here. You know, that is a really terrible thing to do to your yeah, children. I you know agree. why? Yeah. Because if you ever get mail at the house with first initial, last name, you don't know whose mail it is. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I had known people who'd done that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. My, I have it. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Cruel broke into the house at 8.40 p.m. Their parents owned three Chinese restaurants in town, and they, they actually ran them. They didn't just, you know, own them. Um, they were a fairly wealthy family in the community. Uh, and the parents were both working at the restaurant at the time. Again, They were Mr. true Krul, owner-operators. Yes, and Mr. Cruel very likely knew that again. Maybe he ate there. Yet again, it sounds like he did a lot of research. Yes. Mr. Cruel instructed the two younger girls to get into the cupboard that was in the room that they were all sleeping in and um, pushed a bed against the doors, which, you know, locked them in Mm. and then dragged Carmen by the hair out of the house. And I know that they and I, I, I guess I am speculating a bit there, but. Um, she was being held by the hair when the girls got into the cupboard, so I presume that he continued to drag okay. her. Okay, that's a little bit of a that. departure for him, isn't yes. it? Tracker dogs were unable to track past a nearby road, where it's speculated that Mr. Cruel likely parked his car. Carly and Karen managed to escape about ten minutes after and called their father, and he, of course, called the police. And the search began. Mr. Cruel, per his mo, left a red herring. He had spray painted "Payback Asian Drug Dealer." On the front of the family's car that was left in the in the parking or in the uh, driveway. So weird. I am going to quickly note here that Carmen she did attend the same all girls school that Nicola attended. Nicola was our second victim, right? Uh, third. Nicola's the the most recent victim we just talked right. about. Okay. And I read somewhere, though I don't remember where, that Mr. Cruel took Carmen's school uniform with them when they left. 
left. Like he did in with Nicola. Mm-hmm. Mm, makes sense. The MO changes here drastically. Carmen was not released after 18 hours. Or she 50. was not released after 50 hours or 70 hours. In fact, she was not released at all. Alive. Well. She wasn't released alive. Technically, I suppose that's true. Two years mm. after she disappeared, a man walking his dog saw what he thought was a human skull in a landfill, and it ended up being Carmen's remains. She had been shot at least three times in the back of the head and then dumped in this landfill. Carly and Karen described Mr. Cruel in much the same way that Nicola and Fiona had. They didn't mention a gruff voice at all, but they did say that his ski mask was brown, ah. which depending on the is light. different. Well, it's different than the navy blue one that had been described in all of the other crimes. Now, maybe that means that, you know, it was worn out or it got It sat in the sun for a yeah. year. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think it would have faded into brown, but it was, you know, anyway, it was different. And mm-hmm. so that's another reason that people think that this Maybe may have different. been a copycat. Could have been. And of course, they the police did actually investigate the drug dealer The, the spray-painted message, mm-hmm. yeah. They now, actually, for like three years, they what, did an investigation into the family. And there was no sure. connection. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. He was just a legitimate business owner. And the, the lead investigator makes a really, really good point here uh, with this case as well. And that is that the family's house was not preserved as a crime scene in this instance. Uh, a ton of people came through and, you know, basically they were, it was a, it was a manhunt. It wasn't a crime scene. So people carried away anything that might've been DNA. Um, they carried it away. Why? Just well, just, I mean, like with just by like walking over it or oh, anything, not by physically picking. It I up have a feeling that the fact that, the daughters called dad and dad called the cops probably after calling somebody else he knew to go over to the house who then called somebody they knew. So there's a whole swarm mm-hmm. of non-investigative types right. showing so up. Yeah. Right. And there's also probably people showing up. Yeah. To help take care of the girls yeah. because they've just had something very traumatic happen to them. And overall, you know, there could have been clues left though, given the Mr. Cruel MO, I, I doubt it that there were any kind of clues. Yeah. If it's him in this instance, then probably yeah. wouldn't have mattered. And Carmen's mother has a theory about why Carmen was killed when the other girls were not. And it is that by all accounts, Carmen was very stubborn. Defiant. And defiant is a really good word. And Mr. Cruel had actually told one of his other victims that his freedom was more important than her life. And uh, Carmen's mother thinks that it's very likely that Carmen fought back and may have pulled the mask off or Good otherwise been. been able to identify him. So he killed or her and dumped just her body. angered him enough. Yeah. Or maybe she I mean, actually recognized his voice and said, hey, Mr. Possible. Smith, that's you, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. possible. Yeah. What are you yeah. doing, Smithers? Yeah. yeah. And actually, there's, that's a great little segue because we're done talking about the victims and now we're going to talk about theories and suspects okay theories. oh yeah and there's about thirty-two thousand theories here <laughs> there, there are actually yeah but the thing we're going to talk about first is that there was this task force called spectrum that included several fbi investigators as well as police and other high profile investigators from around the world basically. that's the u.s fbi correct yes yeah. that that came together 
to be a part of this task force, basically do the one of the most comprehensive investigations like that has ever taken place. They interviewed literally 27,000, not 2,700, 27,000 men in the area in conjunction with this case as suspects. This is a lot like the naked murders. Yes. Where they just locked out a section of the city. Every man is drugged in front of the cops and questioned mm-hmm. till till he's exhausted. And then they move on to the next one. Yes. Yeah. So from extensive interviews of the victims, of the families, uh, just general kind of stuff, they put together this really comprehensive profile of what the kind of person that Mr. Cruel would have been or or maybe still is in his real life. By the way, they shouldn't have called him Mr. Cruel. That's that's just too dignified. They should have well, called him Mr. That's per- the newspaper's fault. No, they should have called him Mr. Pervy Pants. Well, they actually called him... He Rock had, Spider. Yeah. He had yeah. Pervy Pants. I like seven or eight different yeah. monikers that then, he was referred to by, and Mr. Cruel is just the latest one that has actually that's the one taken. That stuck. Yeah. yeah. Something Rapist. It was like the North Something Rapist was one of the, the, the more common names until yeah. Mr. Cruel really... I think Mr. Cruel's a great name for him. I think Mr. Um, Pervy Pass is better, though. That would have made him angry. So since I... I don't think we want to do that, Joe. Well, uh, yeah. I, let's just talk about yeah, that okay, sorry, in a little a bit, because it actually does pertain to a theory. So can one of you guys read this profile that they put together so it's not just an episode of me talking for like 12 That's hours? That's a good point. Okay. I got to put on my FBI voice. Oh, I didn't know if you wanted a paper, rock, scissors for it. Oh, you want, oh, you want a Rochambeau? I don't okay. care. Let's, let's Rochambeau. Boom, boom, boom. Oh. Wait, does that mean I have to? I guess that means you have to. Oh, I didn't realize winning meant I had to read it. Oh, is that what it is? No, that's fine. you got to do your FBI voice. Okay. In my best FBI voice, this is going to be my Batman voice. Mr. Cruel was probably in steady employment, possibly in a management job or self-employed with freedom of movement. It said those who knew him would not regard him as a monster. He would probably be considered a good neighbor and might be involved in community projects. He would have an obsessive compulsive character, the type who would immediately wipe his hands if soiled. He would have taken a great deal of interest in media coverage, though he probably tried to disguise it. He would likely go for unexplained drives or walks. He would have expressed sexual fantasies or shown sexually dysfunctional behavior. His sexual arousal and gratification would probably be dependent on his partner playing specific roles, such as dressing in a schoolgirl uniform. He used terms like bozo, worrywart, and missy when saying things to some of his victims, a.k.a. kitty talk. He could be married or living with a woman who goes away around school holidays when some of the attacks occurred. Or he could be a teacher himself. He would be intelligent and well-organized. He would seem genuinely interested in and dedicated to children. He would have displayed... He actually was pretty interested in children. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. Terrible observation. Yeah. He would have displayed behavioral changes around the time of the offenses and on anniversaries or when publicity was renewed. Those changes would indicate such things as sleeping disorders, reluctances to go to work, distraction or different eating and drinking habits. He would disguise his dress with abnormally rigid behavior. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, Mr. FBI. You're welcome. One thing... To note, before we start talking about suspects, we're not going to talk about 27,000 suspects. Damn it. This could have been a really long episode. It could have. It already kind of is. 
But one thing just to note is that Mr. Cruel is a serial offender. Well, yeah. And we've talked about serial offenders before on this show. And basically what that means is it's unlikely that he would have stopped these attacks unless he was forced by either death or moving or some kind of incarceration. Or Um, he accomplished what he wanted. Whatever that might be. I guess. Yeah, God I think what, what he wanted be. was to get his rocks off. So I don't think he could continue <laughs> yeah. to yeah. accomplish that and in perpetuity is... by just watching his videos. But there's mm. also a, a significant amount of escalation that happens. We there can was. see even just over the course of even just the first three, but really with the four, there's a there's a fair amount of escalation. Um, the investigator said that. <laughs> They thought the reason that he stopped was because he got scared because he was one of the 27,000 people that was interviewed, which, like, if he lived in the area, of course he was. So Yeah, he and every other guy in the bar were like, yeah. oh, you remember that time I got interviewed yeah. if I was Mr. Co- Mr. Cruel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are officially seven men on a list that is, is being held by, the it's, you know, distributed to all police uh, in this area. That basically says if any attack similar to the Mr. Cruel one happens, these seven suspects should be arrested immediately or brought into custody immediately for questioning. But there are apparently 32 suspects that cannot officially be eliminated, but they don't have any evidence to prove that any of them did it either so they're not good enough to just immediately go out and arrest exactly in no. fact none of them yeah there's no suspect that is good enough to go out and arrest yeah. I... so uh, b- um, before we get into theory or these i guess not theories but these particular suspects that you have here yeah there are some general things that i'm wondering about okay um that, that we should probably get to now yeah let's do it okay let's Sweet. just talk about that's them. great there's the question of the the airplanes. And yeah. It, is, it, is it one or two of the girls well, so that, that were taken and, and it was, released? It was two, yeah. So, no. Nicola. Shannon was the one who, like, right off the bat said, oh, and also I heard airplanes. Lots of airplanes. Yeah. And then Nicola was interviewed after she had returned to England. Uh-huh. And she said... I heard these were the airplanes and these are when I heard the airplanes. Cause she was the one who was able to give, she actually counted. I don't know how she, I guess she must've been aware of the news. She was 13. You know, she would, might've been aware uh-huh. of the news. So she actually went so far as to when she realized that she was being abducted by Mr. Cruel, she counted how long she was in the car from her house. Right. She's the one who counted the, the steps the and the car. stairs. Well, and... she, no, I mean, Shannon did that, but she went even further than that, where she was able to basically give an entire layout of the house. She said, it, I counted to this number until we got to the car. And I think we were headed in this direction. And then I counted to this number from the car to okay. the house. I mean, she was like incredibly detailed, but she eventually recalled. So both of the people, both of the girls who were held in the house did recall the airplanes. So Mike, my, my, oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, and a lot of airplanes or. Well, a, it's a seven seems to be a number that I've heard yeah. in a number mm-hmm. of places. But my question is there, there's two kinds of planes. There's jets and propeller planes. And what I'm trying to understand, was it a jet airplane or was it a propeller driven plane? You're thinking the police... maybe a small airport versus a large international type. Well, airport, the reason right? I say that is that if you've ever heard airplanes at a distance and there's some other background noise, and then you've heard motorcycles in the distance, if depending on what they are, they can sound similar, not yeah. the same. I understand they're not identical, but to a girl who's not on the motorcycle scene, 
it could sound like an airplane. So that's the reason I'm asking yeah, this. Yeah, it's a good question. Nicola seems to think that they were on the landing path of airplanes. Okay. So it was so it's less jets landing. Well, or it less wasn't... of the noise of just the airplane and actual you can there's sounds of descent. Yes. Okay. That's she seemed to think they were lower than they should have been. Maybe not like right next to the airport, right? But on the flight path into the airport, and that would also be, I guess, you know, it's the northern part of Melbourne, if well, I remember correctly. Yeah, but it, but in addition to that, I mean, it would make sense that she would hear airplanes during sometimes and not others because you know they have flight paths based on time of day and wind pattern and all of that stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, if she heard it just kind of in this distinct time in the morning, that's when they were getting those planes landed. Uh-huh, um, that should give them an idea. Kinda. Shannon. I don't think was able to provide a whole lot of detail, but she was also only held for 18 hours versus Nicola, who was there for 50. So Nicola had two full days to observe the the patterns of things, whereas Nicola, or I mean, as Shannon, um, just she said she heard some airplanes, but it wasn't she wasn't held really in the morning. I mean, she just heard a couple in the morning. Okay, when she was first there and she was still disoriented. So. Okay, so. The next question that I have is probably asking for more detail than you have or any of us want to know. Mm-hmm. My, but it is based around the fact of the frequency of the assaults that these girls reported that they got. I am presuming that they are not simply all acts of penetration. Um, the... The best description, the best description, the the most descriptive that anybody gets is they say raped and assaulted. Okay. And I, I suspect that that means that there was a varying degree of assault that was happening. Okay. I don't think it was always necessarily one body penetrating the other. Yes, it wasn't it may have been yeah. Well, it may have been penetrative in that it was an object or a hand. But it wasn't, I don't think it was always necessary. And that, the, that's the reason I asked, because some of the, what really, really skeeved me out was some of the early articles that I read made it sound like this guy was on Viagra the whole time. And I was like, but he, well, was, he was doing it quite a lot. He was yes. a pretty okay, randy the, fellow. Well, yeah. But I will just go ahead and say that physiology in general is, is a fickle thing. And I know, because you're talking about a refractory period of some sort, I presume. Yes. That doesn't always happen. Not all, like, I'm sorry to be woe-splaining I, to you about I, refractory I, periods, but <laughs> in my experience, so, there are some men out there who don't, and especially under the right circumstances that are extra exciting, mm-hmm. sometimes men don't have that period of time in between. They can get right back into it, yeah. yeah. Okay. They can. It, yeah. it does happen. So. And then maybe he was. I mean, and obviously maybe, this was this guy's big, big it turn was his on. Thing. It was But I mean, thing. even more than big that, show. Yeah, we yeah. don't know. Maybe he was taking Viagra because he was so... Uh, did Viagra exist in, re- in the, the 80s? 80s? In the 80s? Yeah. Did it? I'm sure. Uh, in the... Yeah, it was in the... Well, no, in the mid-90s it became... But there was other things. There are other things that can have the same effect. But yeah. Okay, so then my my last question here is... So they, they say that he couldn't have stopped on his own. Well, and they don't I, say I disagree- that. Well, they say he had, you know, he was scared away, but that doesn't match up with behavior that we've talked about in the past. And I mean, I have a theory as to why Carmen was the last one. And it's probably the most disturbing of all the theories out there. Well, I guess my theory about why Carmen is the last one is that his murder of Carmen 
in conjunction with the extensive nature of the investigation in which he may have even been interviewed by the police just scared him off entirely. That would make where sense. Where he, yeah. it just became, you know, like he said, his freedom was more important than anything. And it just became too risky for him to continue to do this. So he found it by, you know, reviewing the tapes or slides or pictures and, you know, being able to carry out role plays with consenting partners. And that's where, that's probably the most disturbing part. The, the most disturbing idea that I've come to is the why this guy stopped is he met somebody. And at first I was like, well, you know, for every kink, there's somebody who's happy to fulfill that kink. But for this guy, I don't think it's an adult woman dressing up like a schoolgirl and letting him play act to do whatever he wants well what really no what really disturbs me is that he met a woman who was down with his kink who had a daughter mm. and said here is your smorgasbord that and does, he uh, suddenly was off of the market it does it's, happen it yeah. does but i i mean kids age pretty quick so if his thing was an 11 year, I mean, you know, the 10 to 13 range pre-puberty. Listen, we've talked about guys who started uh, assaulting young girls at the age of five yeah. and didn't stop until they were 30. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there, there that's are true. stories like that. So it doesn't mean that just because she was no longer 12, she was no longer useful in that manner. Sure. This is the nicest well, way I can, I can say it. I mean, let's just hop in. Okay. I, we're only going to talk about three suspects. And none of them are named. Don't worry. That's a good thing. Well, actually. I call them something, but yeah, we have we have our own names for them. But um, one of them is just called John, aka John Doe. And I'm just gonna because it's a good transition into this. John was brought to the attention of the police because he had a a partner, um, a consenting adult AKA female partner. Yeah. I yeah, a girlfriend, sexual partner. I'm not quite sure which. Uh, that said that John started talking about Carmen during sex mm. while they were role-playing schoolgirl stuff and then was apparently really upset when the media dubbed the killer Mr. Cruel. Uh, I don't know why it's upset. I mean, at least they didn't dub him Mr. Pervy Pants. Yeah. Um, oh. And then John... Rock spider. John yeah. was apparently self-employed and traveled a lot so he had a reason to disappear on the job and while police took this claim seriously the ex had a lot of discrepancies in her story and they kind of thought well we're obviously going to investigate this person but it kind of seems like this person is just trying to get revenge on john this is the same thing that we've talked about with exes before last week when we talked mm -hmm. about abel and the fact that abel only came to the police's attention after his soon-to-be third ex yeah you know, spilled yeah. the beans, quote unquote, spilled the beans on him, which really was just to bring down hell on him. Totally. Yeah. yeah she succeeded. Yeah. 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 Um, so our next, and I, I apologize. I think sometimes we do these stories and our listeners are like, you guys just told the story and then like haphazardly threw like three sentences on each theory and like, that's it. But that's literally, you can do the research. I hope you will do the research and follow some of the links to some of the stuff that we found. And there's no, there's nothing. There's really nothing. So we're so going to talk about two other suspects. Well, I will just say, it. I, why is it the show always puts me in the weird position of potentially defending a creepazoid? But I'm going to do it a little bit. Are you going to defend this guy? Uh, just a teeny bit from if oh, okay. his partner is saying he started talking about this while we were role playing. It is entirely possible that this guy had a thing for 
Asian schoolgirls. And this girl happened to be in the news, so he started talking about her. Oh, I that think John is absolutely not an actual Yeah, suspect. what I'm not. saying is that he yeah. may have started saying this stuff. Or he might have been seeing some other chick named Carmen. Yeah, I and mean, his yeah. and his partner is just like, what the... Oh, dude, that is not okay. And, you know, she gets mad. She spills a beer on him. She runs away, and that's the end of that. And he's thinking, okay, it's no big deal. Except then she the turns around and tells up. the cops. Yeah. No, I don't think, I mean, I don't think that John is, a, I think the police did their due diligence, but I think overall John is not a, a good suspect. But he's on the top seven, isn't he? No. Oh, okay. See, I thought John was in the top seven. That's um, why I was. Is he in the other 32? He's in the other 32. Okay. He's not in the seven where they're like, get this person immediately. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's just one of the ones that's widely reported yes. on. Got it. Okay. Because, um, I don't know, they gave a name to him, I guess. I don't know. The next uh, suspect we're going to talk about is, we're going to call him Prime, a.k.a. the Lecturer, a.k.a. No Name McGee. He is the prime Pervy suspect. Pants. He is he is Mr. Pervy Pants. He is the prime suspect for this case. Though, again, they can't. There's no evidence. Like, there's no evidence at all. But um, the Lecturer is a 74-year-old former university lecturer and director of uh, a construction design firm. In the 70s, he spent 10 years in jail for, for rapes and attacks at knife point on young women and girls. And a source said that he has slides. You guys remember slides? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He has slides of the girls that were abducted on, his, on a bed. But the police did an extensive investigation. They were unable to find it. And in fact, the the son reached out to this person because they the have tabloid. the name. Yeah, the tabloid. They have the name. They, they again, I mean, I think that it's fair to not release the names of these people because you don't oh, want yeah. a witch hunt to happen. But they reached out to this person and he said, um, oh, yeah, I know. I know they think I did it. I didn't. But I know that I'm their prime suspect. Oh, there's at least one other guy who also said, "Oh yeah, no, I knew they were. They yeah. followed me for years. They yeah. weren't. They weren't clever about it at all." Yeah, yeah. So he's the strongest suspect, and that is literally all we know about him. Congratulations. Mm. Yeah. Not even a first name. No. Uh, and then the final suspect. Eurons. Is Eurons. This is not an episode about Eurons. By the way, tell people who don't know who that is is. The East, East Area, Area Rapist, Rapist Original Night Stalker. Yeah, you're on. That's the Which, abbreviation. Again, may even not be the same person. True. But That's true. That please don't send yeah. us e- angry emails about that statement. <laughs> it's another episode for another time that we will maybe eventually sometime do. But I saw this speculation on a couple of forums and I thought it was kind of interesting and compelling. It's, I don't think it actually is but there's some speculation that Eron's traveled to australia after his prolific attacks in california in the 70s his last official attack in california was 86 and then the first mr cruel attack was 87 so the timeline could match up mm. it could also explain oh. the weird accents and voices but although the mo's were different the mo's were very different and the age yeah. demographic isn't well the same. i will say when you look at the confirmed Eron's cases his victims do get progressively younger as he evolves as he evolves I, I hate that term for these as he progresses yeah as yeah. he progresses on his spiral of of nastiness horrible yeah. i yeah. like that but phrasing. that's a pretty big leap he's 
you know, Iran's attacked an 18 year old and then to move directly onto like an 11 year old is a pretty big leap. And again, one of the big things that draws people to the Iran cases is all the documents and the letters that are attached to that case that there's none of that here. So I don't think it's a solid theory, but I thought it was an interesting thought experiment, I guess. Well, yeah, in, in it. it is. I think I, frankly, um, I think I think the police know who it is. They just don't have enough evidence. Well, there's which all is kinds a really of, a huge bummer. There's all kinds of speculation that this guy in some way is connected to the school system in the area. Mm-hmm. You talked about this before, Devin, is the fact that they happen over typically around school holidays. They happen around school holidays. You actually mentioned that when you were reading the profile. Oh, but I don't I remember. They I blanked that out. They happen around school holidays, and they also, you know, two of the girls went to the same school, so it's possible that it was a teacher from that school. You know, I don't know. I they're, Again, in the profile, that the Mr. Cruel would have shown an interest in children, so... There were there was a lot of speculation that he was a teacher of some kind or in the school system in some way. And again, that's why that prime suspect, he was a university lecturer. So mm. people thought maybe that would be the connection, but I, I don't know. I, I just I find uh, this case so unsatisfying. I mean, not, for like all yeah, of the reasons. Yeah, there's not much to hang on to. Well, but there. but Joe, yeah. I, I think that if we're going to I mean, if there's the he worked in the school system, I don't buy that. I buy no. what Joe said earlier, which is forensic he, police. He, yeah, he's in because he he had so much apparent knowledge of how the investigation process worked. On the other hand, the argument could be made that he was just obsessive compulsive and needed them to be clean. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he cleaned them before and after every single attack. Yeah, but I mean, the the all of the the false leads that he creates. Yeah, that's that's something that makes yeah. me wonder. There's like some thoroughness there. Well, yeah. there's some. I mean, again, we're gonna. Running into speculation here, but well, that's all we me, got left. I know, but for me, you know, they're young girls. I presume that one of the turn-ons for the young girl is the purity of it. So he would want them to be clean before, and then he would view them as soiled until he could clean them again afterwards. I mean, I think there's some. I'm sure a psychologist could get like really deep into this, but I don't. I I agree. I think it that there is some forensic knowledge there, but. I, maybe he was a forensic teacher. Or it could have been maybe, that he just you know. read about stuff like that. He well, yeah, totally I mean, you think job. about guys like uh, morticians that have a connection to police departments. They would know that. They would glean that kind of information from, if nothing else, their encounters. I mean, there's yeah. there's a whole... That's why I I always feel let down by this because everybody says he must be involved in the school system when yeah. there's this whole other realms of ways that he could have been connected yeah. and known the things that he well, seems to have known. I think people think school system because that allows for the time for the meticulous planning. I mean, he he stalked these families for at least weeks at a time before he carried out the attacks. He learned their their schedules. He knew when they were there and when they weren't there and timed and planned his attacks so meticulously so that they would just be perfect. I mean, he was obviously watching that house. He was obviously watching Shannon's house because the parents went to sleep and then John immediately was like, I can't go to sleep and stayed up for four and a half more hours. Yeah, obviously. And then a half yeah. an hour later, he, you know, Mr. Cruel busts in. He waits he for the waited. lights to go out. Yeah. He sat and waited and watched this house for the majority of the night. I mean, these are like insanely meticulously planned 
things. And so I think one of the reasons that people think maybe a teacher is that on that break, he would have had time to actually devote that amount of time. But breaks are only for that. days. No. And not some, I'm talking about not some, well, I guess it is all summer it is. break. There was a summer break and Christmas break are pretty much the two times that these attacks happen. Now, do, does, so it's does when Australia, weeks at a time. Does Australia have a summer, summer recess, summer break like we have? They do in, in uh, okay. But it would be in our it's winter, not, right? Well, but they do it in that time, but it's not always in the same time frame we're used to. But that's why, I mean, I, I don't think that because he's a teacher, he had all this spare time. He could be a part-time janitor for all we freaking know. And he has nothing to do but every week go park next to this house and eat a sandwich and watch and, yeah. and memorize their actions. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a I random mean, example, I, but... I know a guy who's just had from a wealthy family and he doesn't have to work. There's also other people out there that have jobs that are flexible, they're self-employed, and they can so I don't I don't buy the school system thing myself. Yeah, that's I, I mean think that's more really where my, my entire forensics. my entire complaint comes from. That's fair. But yeah. I wanna I kinda suspect that he must be on the list of the seven because obviously he stopped. He must have stopped for a reason. Yeah. Being, or he died, that, I mean, or he moved or You know, you could have just been having a, like a lunchtime conversation with a, a coworker and, and just sort of said, Yeah, you know, I kinda had these fantasies about about, you know, schoolgirls and, and the guy says, Yeah, too bad that's illegal, Fred, but you know, you can't go to Thailand. And uh-huh. Fred's like Thailand? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, it's true. And it's a hop, skip, jump away, Fred. I mean, you yeah. haven't heard about yeah. you haven't heard about pervs going yeah. to Thailand. Yeah, yeah. maybe he oh. discovered that. It's true. Yeah. Um. So I'm ready to be done with this. Oh, okay. please. Yeah. No. Uh, no, please. I don't yeah. want to do this well, anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, hopefully he didn't discover Thailand. Hopefully he just got cancer and died. You know, the the worst kind Something of yeah, cancer. Hopefully, hopefully that yeah. happened. Yeah. But yeah. the I kind that locked him in a bed it. in agony for years. Yeah. yeah. I would. I would. I hope that. That as would well. be good. Yeah. So that w- seems appropriate. Yeah. Uh, we will post some links to some research. On our website, where you can also download and listen to the show, as well as find links to our merchandise stores. Oh, yeah. That website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can obviously stream us pretty much anywhere. You probably know where you're finding your podcasts. If you have the option to rate and review and subscribe on whatever service you provide or you get your podcasts from, um, please do so. Give us a good rating. You can find us on social media. We've got a Facebook group and a page. So like the page and join the group. Lots of great discussion happens there. We have a Twitter. It's thinking sideways podcast. Nope. It's just thinking sideways. No G. We Yep. Drop somebody, the G. Somebody forgot no G, the G. No podcast. Um, and then we also have a subreddit, which there are Ooh. episode discussions and things like that that happen there. Um, and that's thinking sideways. If you have suggestions like this one or anything, you know, general accolades, whatever, um, we read and respond to every single one of our emails. Mm-hmm. It may take us a couple of days. Mm-hmm. But you can drop us an email at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. And I think that takes care of all of the housekeeping. I believe it do. So all of that having been said, we are going to get out of here and cry for the next like four days. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, I got no, uh, got no clever puns for this one. No. Not no. That I ever do. Anyway. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye next week. Bye.